2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6. If you're there, say amen. All right. He said, for I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for tonight. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the fun we've been able to have tonight. Lord, thank you, Lord, just for, Lord, seeing the evident fruit of, of, of young people and old people and middle-aged people and uh, Lord, just simply, Lord, just been talking about the Word of God, been, been discussing at the house, Lord, been excited about it, getting things ready and prepared for church, Lord, on Wednesday nights, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for the spirit of fellowship that you've given us, God, the spirit of unity, Lord, we just simply come in here on Wednesday nights when we're tired, we're wore out, work's been crazy, or we've been dealing with problems and issues, but God, you gave us a little safe place, a sanctuary, God, where we can come and just, for a little bit, Lord, just unhitch for a little bit, Lord, and uh, Lord, I ask you tonight, Lord, you just work on our hearts through the word of God tonight. Lord, thank you for the life of Paul. Lord, thank you for what you did in his heart, his life. Lord, the reason why we're so excited to study him, that we're so moved by him, Lord, isn't because he is simply a great man, but Lord, you did a great work in his life. And Lord, the same saving work that you did in his life, Lord, is what you've done in ours. And I pray, Lord, tonight that we'd help us to realize, Lord, if you could do it for Paul, Lord, you can do it for us. And I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you just work in our hearts. God, help us tonight from the word of God. I pray, Lord, you give us exactly what we need on a Wednesday night, Lord, in uh, the year 2023. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that you're on time. Lord, you're up with the times. Lord, you know exactly what we're facing today, Lord. It may have taken us by surprise, God. It did not take you by surprise. We ask you tonight, Lord, you give us exactly what we need. Lord, we'll be thankful. We'll be grateful, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, he said, Preacher, why are we starting here? And I'm going to introduce it this way. Most of y'all already know this, that I'm an avid sports watcher. Uh, I, or I enjoy sports. I enjoy both playing them and watching them. And uh, already I'm excited about the, the, the ping pong table that is back there in the, the fellowship hall. I may, or, I may or may not have walked by it today and, and picked up a paddle and, and done a few little uh, hits, that, you know, just to keep my reflexes up and all those kind of But I, I just enjoy sports. I can watch just about any sport. I can watch just about anybody competing. I remember during COVID uh, when there was no actual live sports going on, uh, that ESPN was, was, was showing a rock skipping competition. Uh, there was guys out of lake skipping rocks and I was sitting there watching them like, boy, I think that guy's got it. He, he's got good form, you know, like I, like I knew something about it. But I, I always enjoy it. But I remember growing up, before there was YouTube, YouTube, even nowadays, I love watching highlight reels, uh, you know, from many different sports. And YouTube's full of them, right? You could spend your whole day just watching sports highlights on YouTube if you wanted to. But before there was YouTube, there was, there was a thing called NFL Films. It used to come on ESPN, ESPN Classic uh, eventually. But I remember watching as a, as a young man, a young boy growing up, and uh, that show just captivated me. Uh, and I don't know if it was the music, I don't know if it was the narrator, I don't know what it was, but what NFL films would do is they would pick a team from the past and they would, they would, they would show at the beginning, they, they are celebrating the, the Super Bowl championship and everybody, you know, there's, there's confetti everywhere, everybody's celebrating. And then they would take the next hour and show you how that team got to that place of celebration. And there was a distinct music about it. Matter of fact, as I was studying, getting things together today, I, I went to YouTube and made sure that I was thinking of the right music. And I was like, yep, that is it. That is the music I remember. 
from my childhood of they would come on it would be that that just you you hear that music and all of a sudden you're excited but I remember being a young boy and like for for that hour everything else in my life didn't matter I wanted to know how in the world did the 1986 Chicago Bears get it to the Super Bowl and eventually win right I was I was enthralled by it but what we see here tonight, it, it, they didn't go to every play, they didn't go to every every uh, meeting, every practice, but they pulled out highlights from every game. And and you know, it's, I think about it now, like I I, I could have simply done a search and found out who won, but that narrator would have me on the end of the end of my seat. So and so got injured, or or they had this much time left in the game, and he's describing it, and then I'm there, I'm watching it, I'm I'm, I'm amazed by it. And, and nothing else seemed to matter in that time. But what we see here tonight, when we get to 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 6, Paul is now at the end of his life. He is, he is, everything's coming full circle, so to speak. He has been saved, and now he's coming to the end of his life. And he says this in verse number 6. He says, for now I am ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Could you imagine tonight having the, the certainty and the assurance that you knew, one, that you are, you're facing your last days, you're facing your last moments, and be able to say, I am ready to face that. I have not only just been saved, but I am ready to face God. I understand I'll give an account for what I did, but I've been faithful and I've served and I've tried and I've endeavored, and now I am ready to be offered uh, or, or you know, to, to leave this world behind. And that's a great faith that Paul had. But he goes on in verse 7, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Normally when a man starts to use the word I, I tune him out. Because normally it becomes about me. Look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. But Paul's not bragging here. Paul is rather saying, because of what Christ did for me, I'm now at the end of my life. I have trusted him. I've served him. I've lived for him. And now I'm ready. I've, I, the Lord has allowed me to keep the faith. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. And this is Paul was saying, I didn't lay out the course for me. God did, but I finished it. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Right, when we understand when Paul is Paul's excited, Paul is ready for it, and, and I couldn't help but thinking, I don't have the narrator voice tonight, I don't have the NFL film's music, but what we can do tonight is we can look at some highlights in Paul's life that helped him to arrive here at 2 Timothy chapter number 4, where he was ready to go. He, 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 was, he knew where he was headed, he knew what he had done for God, and he knew that there was a crown laid up for him. So tonight I want to give you a few highlights that led for Paul, uh, or I want to give you Paul's highlight reel. Right, Paul, the things, some highlights in Paul's life that led him here to 2 Timothy chapter number four. Here's highlight number one of Paul's life. Paul got saved. Paul got saved. Acts chapter nine. I've got many, many parts of my Bible uh, marked off tonight, so we're gonna do some flipping if you can keep up with me. Uh, I'd encourage you, if you can't, just jot it down and go read it uh, at a later time. But it said in Saul, verse chapter number nine, it said, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. 
and trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. In essence tonight, if there was no Acts chapter number nine, verses one through six, if Paul didn't have this highlight number one of his salvation, there would be no Second Timothy chapter number four. There would be no New Testament that sense there would be all the, the great verses that we cling to I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me rejoice in the Lord again and I say rejoice all those verses that we hold on to if Paul didn't have highlight number one Paul would not have highlight number two or the rest of the highlights I have for you I think if you ask Paul Paul what was the greatest highlight of your ministry what was the greatest thing God ever did in your life I don't think he would talk about Antioch I don't think he would necessarily go right to the ship wrecking your Eurocladon he would say I was on the road to Damascus doing my own thing doing what I thought was best what everybody else wanted me to do and then the Lord showed up and saved me by his grace and Paul said that's where it all started well how many can go back to that highlight in your life <laughs> Timothy just gotta go back a couple days the highlight of his life, and I can go back to the highlight of my life, April 3rd, 2015, when the Lord saved me by grace. Can I say I've had some highlights and Paul had some afterwards, but can I say if I didn't have the first highlight, none of the other highlights would have mattered. Thank God for the highlight of salvation in Paul's life. Can you go back to the highlight? Highlight number one, Paul got saved. Highlight number two, Paul set a goal. Look at first or look at first Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter three, verse number four. Philippians chapter three, verse number four. Right? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul set a goal. It wasn't a low goal. In essence, when Paul got saved, I don't think Paul sat down and said, you know what? I'm just going to live the normal Christian life. I'm going to be an average church member. I'm going to be an average Christian. I'm going to do a little bit here and a little bit there, and, and I'm just going to I'm just gonna do enough to get by. Right? We, we, we got three kids in our, our home, and, and one of them is an overachiever. One of them is everything's got to be right, everything's got to be perfect, they've got to tweak it, they've got to work it, and they've got to, we, we call them, we see sometimes we tell them, hey, you're being a little extra right now, right, you're doing a little bit too much, sometimes you got to know when to stop, right, but then we have another one whose thought process is, I'm going to do just enough to get by, right, just enough, right, I'm not going to do anything extra, I'm going to do what's required of me, nothing more, nothing less, but when Paul said a goal, Paul said, I press toward the mark, not of the low calling, not of the mediocre calling, he said, but of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can I say tonight, God has a calling for your life. God has a purpose for your life. It is not a low calling. It's not mediocre. It's not average. It's not just enough to get by. God's got a, a great or a high calling for your life tonight. And Paul said a goal. He said, I'm going to press towards it. There's not going to be one single thing that I'm going to let come between me and the high God calling that God has put in my life. And no doubt there were some things put in Paul's life to stop him. There was prison, right? There was enemies. There was those who tried to kill him. There was storms. There was all of those different things. Paul's life, but Paul said, I'm pressing towards a call. I'm pressing toward a mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, we don't need just more average Christians. We've got a world full of average Christianity, right? And we're seeing the effect of it. We're living in a generation, we're living in a time where it seems like the church has no power. It seems like the church isn't making any kind of effect, 
Right, we look at the book of Acts, we read about Paul's life and you know, 3,000 are getting saved one day. Paul is preaching to towns and towns are getting saved and all of this kind of stuff. We say, where in the world has that gone? I think it's because a lot of Christians have said, you know what, that's a very high calling, that's too high for me. I'm gonna do something that is comfortable. Can I, can I encourage you, I've said this before and I'll say it until I, I go to the grave. You cannot live the Christian life in mere comfort. The Christian life has always been a life that is outside of the comfort zone. Right? Because outside of your comfort zone, you cannot rely on yourself. You have to rely on God. And that's where the Christian life is where you're being called to live. But Paul set a goal. We don't need just another Christian. We need sold out, separated, sincere, show enough Christians. Right? Who are, who are, who are pursuing the high calling in God's life. Let me ask you. What goals do you have set as a Christian? What goals do you have set as a Christian? Right, sometimes, and I'm not talking about sword of the Lord, uh, we're gonna see 7,000 salvations, all that kind of stuff, but what about in your life, in your personal life? When's the last time you got up and said, you know what, I'm gonna share the gospel with somebody today. Somebody today. Whoever stops at the gas station next to me, whoever I'm in front of at line, instead of getting upset because I have to wait on my fast food, I'm gonna turn around and witness to somebody. Right, where, where are our goals at in the Christian life when it comes to your Bible reading? I'm not saying you gotta read through your Bible six times in a year to be a good Christian. But you ought to have a goal to say, you know what, today or this week or this year, here's what I'm striving for in my Bible reading. What about your prayer life? What about, what about church attendance, right? What about church involvement? What about ministry? What about uh, serving others? We, 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 want, we, we say, Lord, use me. Lord, I want to do this for you. And God will give us goals. And the question is, are we allowing them to be set in our life? Are we pursuing after them? Or are we just bouncing through the Christian life, hoping one day that we accomplish something for God? You won't have a 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6, where you'll say, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I have kept the faith if you don't learn to set goals for God. And set, and set goals for what you want to do for the Lord. Now listen, ultimately, you let God set the goal, right? There's been some things I want to do in my life that I, that I thought God was wanting me to do too. But God wouldn't want me to do those things. And so sometimes you got to let God change the direction, right? But ultimately, you ought to get up and say, all right, Lord, give me some goals. Help me set some things that I might pursue after them. Highlight number one, Paul got saved. Highlight number two, Paul set a goal. Highlight number three, Paul received instruction. Acts chapter number 26 Verses uh, 16 through 18. Acts chapter number 26. Where is it at? Verse 16. The Bible says, but rise. I guess you go back to 14. Paul is here before King Agrippa. He's giving his testimony. Right? When he had fallen unto the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Is it hard for thee to, to kick against the pricks? And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom, no whom thou persecutest. But, ar but rise and stand up on thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to take thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, 
to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul received instruction. Paul got saved on the Damascus Road and no doubt Paul's got a, definitely got a burden for his people. Paul's got a, a burden for those Jews that had so looked up to him and so honored him and so revered him. He gets saved and now he understands that all of what he's done and all what he's been doing really doesn't matter. And no doubt his heart is towards his family. His heart is towards his, his, his people. And then God takes this man and opens him up to the Gentiles and he begins to preach the gospel to people that Jews thought weren't worthy of it. Can I say tonight that none of us are worthy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? I didn't earn it. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. My intellect isn't high enough. My education level isn't high enough. But thanks be to God, the gospel was preached unto us. But Paul received instruction. In essence, Paul didn't go around telling God what he was going to do. Lord, you saved me. I'm going to go back and reach my people. God said, hold on a second. I'm going to turn you over to the Gentiles. I'm going to use you to bring the gospel to them to open open up their eyes to turn them from darkness to the light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul didn't go around telling God what to do or how to do it. He let God, uh, he let God and other men of God teach him. Now here's the thing. Paul had a vast, already at this point in his life, Paul had a vast understanding of the Old Testament. Right, he could quote more verses <laughs> right, if, I would, if, if we were to have memory competition with Paul, he'd win every year. Timothy wouldn't be close. The man, the man could verbatim, not just parts of the Bible, we're talking whole books of the Bible. And yet here he is with this vast knowledge allowing men who definitely don't have the same education as him to teach him. One of the greatest things you'll ever learn to be in your Christian life is teachable. Teachable. Teach me, tell me what you know. I was just on the phone this week with another preacher asking him questions about different things. And I said, listen, man, I'm not here to debate you. I'm, I'm just trying to learn. I, I'm trying to see what your, what your brain and what your thought process and all it is. I, I'm not, I just want to learn. Can I say, listen, I've got a degree to my name. I, I'm, I'm pastoring a church, but I've learned I still have to learn too. I'm not above learning tonight. I, haven't, have it all, I don't have it all figured out tonight. Here's Paul who was willing to, he was willing to receive instruction. Let me ask you, you already know everything. Or, or are you teachable? Right, can you receive instruction? Sometimes the hardest people you have to teach aren't necessarily those that know the truth. They're just stuck on tradition. This is how we've always done it. This is how I'm always going to do this. How daddy did it. This is how the preacher before you did it. This is how granddaddy did it. Listen, they might have had a good heart, a good reason, but can I say tonight, far above tradition, not every tradition is bad, not every tradition is wrong, but tradition does not trump the scripture. Right? The Bible is always right. The Bible is our highest authority. And so tonight, we had to learn to be teachable. God's had to break down some traditions in my life. Right, he's, he's had to teach me, listen, just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it's right. And you gotta learn to be teachable. And Paul was teachable. You gotta realize what Paul was doing was vastly different from what he was doing before. As a matter of fact, it was the polar opposite. And so Paul couldn't stay, you know, all his years of experience as a Pharisee, he had to leave, the Bible said, he said, I counted for dung. Right now, I'm not going to go into exegesis study of what the word dung means. But we understand what that is tonight. Paul said, I counted as that because all of that motive and all of that method does not apply to the gospel. It's a whole brand new thing that God was doing. As Paul said, Lord, I need you to teach me. 
He received instruction. Paul received instruction. Number four, Paul learned to study. Same chapter, look at verse number four. My manner of, of chapter 26, verse number four, my manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most strict, straightest sect of the, our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made unto God unto our fathers. Paul learned to study. And Paul goes back to his prior to salvation. He's listening. He said, ask anybody that was around me. They ought to tell you, I, I wasn't just a, 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 a average Pharisee. I was of the straightest sect. I was, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And Paul saying, in essence, I didn't get it that way by just happenstance. I didn't get it that way by, by, by knowing the right person. Paul said, I put everything I had behind it. But look what he says right there in verse number six. He said, now I stand in judge for the hope of the promise made unto God under our fathers. <laughs> what Paul was saying was that when I get to heaven, God ain't gonna clap his hands for me because I was such a good Pharisee. And God ain't gonna say good job on studying to become a Pharisee. Well, Paul was saying, now I, I, I'm going to stand and be judged for what I do with the gospel. And Paul said, if I'm going to effectively share it, if I'm going to effectively preach it, if I'm going to effectively live it, then I better know what it is. I better know the ends and the outs of it. In essence, Paul was saying, I'm not going to settle just for what, what Peter was saying. I'm not going to settle just for what John is saying. I'm going to figure out what the word of God says for myself. He, was, he learned to study. Right? Paul took all that he had known and began to view it through the lens of the gospel. Right? He began to look through the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, preacher, how, what kind of effect did this have on Paul's study? I believe it had this effect, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God as profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let me ask you tonight, what's your study life like? Is it a highlight of your Christian life? If we had to put your reel together tonight, right, and we got our music ready, and we got the narration ready, and we said, all right, let's, let's find a clip of them studying their Bible, how hard would it be to find one? I, I understand tonight life's busy. I understand tonight life's got a lot going on. I understand tonight you say, well, preacher, I'm not the pastor of the church. Uh, I, don't, I don't have the, the time to sit down like you do. That, that, your schedule may be different from mine. But can I say the Bible says that it is not just for the pastor. It says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all. Good. Let me ask you, young men, you want to be men of God? I'm not talking about just behind the pulpit. I'm talking about in everyday Christian life. Ladies, you want to be women of God? There's got to have to be an aspect of studying the word of God. Right, because it's one thing to read the word of God. Right, to, to read it at a size in high school, they taught Bible as a literature class. Right, you, you, you couldn't preach in it. You couldn't uh, talk about doctrine. You had to talk about the literary devices that were used in the Bible. And they looked at it like a textbook or, or the equivalent of a, of a novel. Can I say studying is deeper than that? Study is realizing why did God put that in there? And what does that, how does that apply to me? Paul said all scripture is profitable for doctrine. Now, there may be some parts of Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, that are not written directly to the church, that are not written directly to the, the believer in the sense that they are, they are to be under the law and different kind of, but there is so much, all Scripture is profitable for doctrine. 
There's different applications and different truths and different pictures and types. Listen, tonight, you say, preacher, I want to see the Lord in a, in a new way. I want to see a different side of the Lord, so to speak. I want to see him a way that I haven't yet seen in my Christian life. I'd encourage you to go study the tabernacle. Go study the formation of it and what, what was accomplished there and the types and the pictures and begin to study about, about it. It's, it's so much there. Even, even to the little staves that they put in the ground, you can see a picture of the resurrection in there. They prove that, preacher. It has nothing to do with my notes now, but they take those staves and they would hammer half of it into the ground and the other half was above the ground and from that stave, they would take a rope and they would tie off the tabernacle that would hold it together. It's a picture of the death because part of it's underneath the ground, but the other part is above the ground and a picture of the resurrection. He said, preacher, what part do we tie off to? We tie off to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If Christ be not risen, our religion, our faith is in vain. But in order for him to be resurrected, he had to die. That's why the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, Paul learned to study. Let me ask you tonight, could we find a highlight of you studying? Highlight number one, Paul got saved. Highlight number two, Paul set a goal. Highlight number three, Paul received instruction. Highlight number four, Paul learned to study. Highlight number five, Paul learned to work. Acts chapter number 18. Acts chapter number 18. Verse number one. And after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. Verse number three. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought by their occupation. They were tent makers. They were Tent makers. Paul learned to work. He had he learned to work to meet us personally. It's Acts eighteen verses one through thirteen tell us that. But then First Thessalonians second two nine, he t the Bible tells us that Paul learned to work to provide the the needs of the ministry as well for the ministry's sake. That he was saying he would he they would not take anything from where they were because they didn't want to get the perception that in order to get the gospel you had to you had to pay to get it. But Paul was willing to work, so that wouldn't be the need. Young men, young people need to learn a good work ethic. They need to learn a good work ethic. I remember sitting in a, uh, or hearing a debate between which men were more spiritual. Those who worked jobs and pastor churches or those who were full-time in the ministry. And they were going back and forth about who, which men were spiritual. And I just sat back and I thought, we, well, we always, we could agree that Paul is probably the greatest Christian to ever live outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or greatest man ever lived outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had a job. He was willing to work. And thank God for the opportunity that God has blessed us where as a pastor, I'm able to do it full time. I, I'm able to devote myself to the church as, 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 as you know, not, not that it is a job, but like a job in that sense. I, I can do that full time. But can I say that automatically doesn't make me a more spiritual man. Where much is given, much is required. Right, my heart goes out to men of God in places that we've never heard about. Small towns in America that are working a job and yet pastoring a church at the same time. I'm not better than them. Really, none of us are better than each other, right? We're, none of us are the head. Christ is. Let me ask you, when's the last time your thumb made fun of your pinky? When's the last time your shoulder said, I'm better than the knee? No, you need all of them. <laughs> None of them are the head. That's the important part. 
But Paul learned to work. We, we, we often chastise, you, know, you need to learn how to work. Well, we need to teach them how to do it. We need to teach them how to do it. And that's more than just saying, hey, go do that. It's getting in there with them. So and this is how you do this. This is why we do this. Uh, we were at camp this year. And we were talking to young men and I was teaching them how a godly man provides for others. A godly man is to provide for his home. He's to provide for others. The Bible said if a man doesn't work and doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel. But I was telling those young men, I said, long before you'll ever learn how to provide for somebody else, you've got to learn to provide for yourself. How to provide for your own needs. <laughs> I remember when I was growing up, I, there was kids in my school, their parents bought them everything. Brand new car, brand new clothes, brand new TVs, brand new game systems. I got my first job when I was 16. My first legal job. But when I got that job, man, I was excited. I thought, man, I'm fixing to make a whole lot of money. And then all of a sudden, here comes my, my mom. Well, now that you got a job, I have to pay rent. <laughs> that cell phone, you can pay for that. You can pay for your own lunch at school. You want some new clothes, you can pay for it. It was one thing after another. I remember being like, that's not fair. But I'm so glad my parents did it that way. Because I, I learned the value of a dollar real quick. I learned that you couldn't, you couldn't just use money. That you couldn't just spend it however you wanted to. You had to be wise with it. Had to be smart with it. Right? But Paul learned to work. I'd encourage any young man before he ever even tries to go in the ministry to get a job. To learn, to learn discipline. To learn uh, what it means to be on time. What it means to be held accountable for something. Right? Paul learned to work. Paul, highlight number six, Paul witnessed for the Lord. Highlight number six, Paul witnessed for the Lord. Acts 20, verse 18. Acts 20, verse 18. The Bible said, when they were come to him, he said unto them, you know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying away to the Jews, and how I kept nothing that was profitable, or I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and the faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul was saying there. He said, I preached the same message to everybody. Whether you were a Greek, whether you were a Jew, he said, I didn't hold anything back from you, whether it was publicly or whether it was privately, house to house. Paul said, I have made it a purpose to witness for the Lord. He had a public witness. There was a, there was a, the Bible said the word literally publicly is put in there, but he had a public witness. In essence, in his public life, Paul was a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, what bothers me is that we, we, we live like that, you know, I, I'm a Christian, but when I'm at the job site, I'm this first and then a Christian. Can I say the reality is we are a Christian first and everything else comes second. That's the way it ought to be tonight. Right, you, you, can't take, you can't take it off and put it over here and say, I'm not that for right now. I'll get back to that later. You are a Christian no matter where you are. And Paul lived in such a way. That's why Paul said, if you're going to preach the gospel, you better live the gospel. Right, he was a public witness by his life. Men knew what he was about, but also in, in, in his personal, he went house to house. Right, he went to those individuals and shared the gospel with them. A personal witness. 
right? The people at the job site ought to know you're a Christian. But the people you call your friends ought to know that too. The people that you, you live with ought to know that as well. The personal ones. How, how, let me ask you, if this was your highlight reel, how far back would we have to go to find a highlight of you sharing the gospel? On, on purpose, giving a track out, going through the plan of salvation with somebody, telling them what the word of God says about their sin and how Jesus died for them. How far back would we have to go to find that highlight reel? Highlight number six, Paul witnessed for the Lord. Highlight number seven, Paul persevered. Paul persevered, Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. Verse 13. Paul said, I, brethren, I count myself not apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul persevered how he had a reassured position. Well, how many struggle with your past sometimes? The things I used to say, the things I used to do, the, the way I used to act, the, the things I used to participate in. I know they're under the blood. I know Jesus saved me from them, and I'm grateful that he did, but sometimes they like to creep up, don't they? They like, Satan likes to remind, it's not God reminding you in that sense and holding it over your head, but that is Satan doing that. And I think Paul said, he, Paul said, I count myself to not apprehended. But this one thing I did, he said, I forget those things which are behind me. God forgot our sins. They are cast in the sea of forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west tonight, God doesn't bring them up to us once they're dealt with, once they are repented of, once we've moved on, we can go on for the glory of God. And sometimes we need to remind that's back there. The high mark ain't back there, it's over there. It's in front of me. He had a reassuring position that his sins have been dealt with. But he had a recharging promise in Philippians 4.13. Tim Tebow verse. I can do all things through Christ with strength me. Paul comes to the end of his life. How did Paul get to that place? It wasn't by his strength. It wasn't by his grit. It wasn't that he was good at pulling himself up by his bootstraps. It wasn't that he had a good educational answer to it. Or he had a higher intellect than the average human being. He realized and stepped back, I can do all things through, through Christ which strengthens me. Or gives me the strength to achieve what needs to be done. In essence, tonight, God will never call you to anything that he's not willing to give you the power to do. God will never tell you to do anything that he's not willing to give you the power to do. You say, well, preacher, God needs to know. God just wants to see how, I had a man tell me, God just wants to see how strong I am. God knows how strong you are. Let me rephrase that. God knows how strong, you ready for it? You ain't. He knows how strong you ain't. <laughs> it's a good word for you, Miss Beebe. Ain't. How strong you ain't. That's why when he says, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to go there. I want you to witness to that person. He's not asking you to do it in your own ability. He said, I'm, willing, I'm asking you to be obedient so you can see my power working in you and through you. Paul persevered. He had a reassuring position. He knew his, his past was behind him. But he also had a recharging promise. I have God's strength to do it. God will give me the strength that I need. And here's the thing. All these highlights lead us right back to 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 6, six through 8. 
I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is a crown laid up for me. A crown of righteousness laid up for me. And he goes on to say, not just for me, but to all those who love his appearing. In essence tonight, can I say, there is a championship scene for us. There is that, that trophy awarding scene for us. There is that celebration with, the, with the, the confetti and all that coming down. It's stand before Christ and he, he gives us that crown of being faithful to him and we step back and say, really, I didn't earn this. Uh, I, I'm not liable for this. I was just doing what you told me to do. You gave me the strength. You gave me the wisdom. You gave me the power. You gave me the ability. This crown is not mine. It's yours. The Bible said, well, cast them back down at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about you tonight. I want some highlight reels. I want to be able to get at the end of my life and say, I've done what God told me to do. And I did it to the best of my ability. Can I say there's, there's some parts of my Christian life I hope don't make the real. <laughs> I don't want anybody else to see. But can I say tonight, there are some things that I thank God he's allowed me to do. Let me ask you now, you ever done the will of God and know, knew that you did it? Not, not in a bragging sense, but like, look at me, I've done the will of God. But God dealt with your heart, right? And, and he led you to do something, whether it's witnessing, pray for somebody, read a certain portion of scripture, minister in the church a certain way, and the only thing you really had to go off was that you felt like that's what God wanted you to do. And so you did it. And you can sit back and say, I, I did what God wanted me to do. It wasn't my idea. I didn't come up with it. God was, the Holy Spirit was leading me. I was obedient. And the result may not even necessarily be what you thought it was going to be, but you're able to go to bed at night and say, I did what God wanted me to do today. I pleased him. I satisfied. Somebody like me pleased God because I was obedient to him. Can I say this? That's a great feeling to have. It's a great place to be in life. And can I say, God doesn't want us to seldomly experience that. He wants that to be our everyday life, that we've pleased him, we've listened to him. Let me ask you tonight, we'll be done. Will your highlight reel lead to the same place? Will you be able to come to the end of your life and say, I have done what God wanted me to do. I'm ready, Lord. I finished my fight. I've kept my course. I've kept the faith. Lord, I'm ready to come meet you. That's where I want my highlight reel to lead tonight. When my life is done, I want, somebody, I want my kids to be able to look back. I want those who come up after me to be able to look back and say, Brother Tate, Daddy, he, he was a little crazy. Sometimes he, he, he did some things that just didn't make sense. But I know he loved the Lord. I know he served him. And he had a life that pleased him.